graceful and beautiful and physical and angry all at the same time. Were you idiot? Your mind would cave in and your heart would explode within your chest. This is going to be a shame. Here we go! There's an old British band, kind of obscure, you may not have heard of them, kind of an indie act, way back in the day that used to say, I get by with a little help from my friends. It's okay if you're not familiar. Like I said, it was, it was fairly obscure. But uh, my name's Matt Robinson, sitting here in the TCA studio. And uh, Rob on the shelf today, so we tagged in our buddy Steve Lloyd. Thanks so much for being here, man. I appreciate it. No problem at all. Uh, Happy New Year, all that stuff. Are you and familiar I'll, with this obscure little act? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better here. I prefer the Joe Cocker cover of Ooh, that song. Oh, okay. I've never heard the, it. Oh, man. Yeah. Joe Cocker. Do yourself a favor. Check it out. Yeah. Okay. Check it out. Okay. Check it out. Um, we are sitting here on another Monday morning, kicking off another week of uh, of talk and audio. As uh, as I mentioned, Rob uh, unable to be here, so we reached out to Lloydie uh, pretty last second and <laughs> asked him if he. It's could almost jump like in. I live nearby. It is. It's and, uh, and, I, and I was your parachute. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we appreciate him making the time. Make sure you're following along on social media at Talk and Audio and subscribe to the pod wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, Lloydie, I want to ask you about your vacation here in a second, but you have come back from it saying uh, maybe a little dry out was, uh, was necessary. Yeah. I'm not going to have a pint with you today, Matt. Um, I was uh, at a lovely all-inclusive resort. Right. We left Boxing Day. We got back in the wee hours on the 5th. <laughs> so a good long, yeah. 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 So, uh, I, I, I declined having a pint with you today. <laughs> I thought maybe I'd wait at least a few days yeah. before maybe I, I, Do you uh, ever do like the full dry January? Is I've that, never done the no. full dry January. Yeah. I just, uh, will ease off the throttle once in a while. Sure. And I'm in one of those phases right now. That makes sense. Yeah. And I sort of am as well, but I, I get the itch on Sunday afternoon. This is what I do on Sunday <laughs> afternoons is have a pint and do the show. So, um, I'm going to have one anyway. This comes from the, uh, the Shillow Brewing Company here in Ottawa and, uh, their thing, or one of their things, on top of making really good beer, is that they make sure all their stuff is is kosher. Uh, I believe it's owned by a Jewish family, and so oh, okay. uh, that's kind of, you know, if that's something you're looking for in your beers, um, certainly check out the uh, the Shiloh Brewing Company. This is their oatmeal stout. I've had a couple things from Shiloh on the pod before. I can't remember if I've had this one yet. Oatmeal, st- oatmeal stout. My wife is a huge oatmeal stout fan. Nice, okay. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, so I'm going to get into that. Did uh, I know when you're down on the beach, like you were, beers aren't always what you're looking for. Sometimes there's little things with umbrellas in them and, I... and fruit juices or whatever. You try anything good down there? Or? Oh, yeah, we tried a lot. Of, well, when I had a beer, um, basically at, at the place, they had two on top. You could get a Heineken okay. or Piton. And Piton is the name of the mountains. And I was in St. Lucia. Right. And they're just beautiful. And we did a, a boat and snorkeling trip and you got under the water to see them up close and all mm. that. And there's a volcano. And anyways, um, because the whole, well, all those islands, eh, they're basically, they're volcanoes from the ocean's yeah. floor. Yeah. But that's what they all are. So nothing's flat. No. Right? Nothing <laughs> at all. So, but the local beer is Piton. Okay. It's just, it's a lager. It's really, really light. And it's really, really hot down there. It's one of those. It's an easy drinking, <laughs> hot, 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 stinking hot day beer. Right. Okay. So that's what I had. I had a few of there. those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we used to go down to the the Bahamas, there was one there. Their local beer, I guess, is called Kalik or Kalik, K A L I K. Okay. And the first few days, it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of light and it's kind of easy drinking for uh, you know those hot summer days or hot winter days down there, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But by like Tuesday or Wednesday, you're like, all right, that's probably enough of those. And yep. By that, and I'm, I'm sort of into, you know, whatever tropical things being mixed up on the beach or um, my go-to down there actually, for whatever reason, turned out to be Miller Lite. Miller Lite. Uh, yeah. Skip the bud, skip the, uh, I don't know, but for whatever reason, Miller Lite's where I typically land when I'm down there. Whenever 
I go south and we do these these trips. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to have more often than not, like I mixed it up. They had a really specific uh, resort we're at. They had this martini bar. Right. Right. And so we had some martinis. <laughs> we tried all kinds of that stuff. Right. Uh, but my kind of go-to, you know, house beer yeah. for a drink, I always get a mojito. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. When I'm down south, I'm like, I got to get mojito. Mojito. I have a mojito. Okay. Or like two. That. Or more. Uh, what else you get into down there, Lloyd? Are you, were you doing any kind of, you know, uh, scuba diving or anything like that? Or are you just a uh, lay on the beach with a book kind of guy? Or No, we did um, the, the, the excursion. The biggest excursion we did was uh, an all-day trip and um, take you out in a speedboat and you go up and down that side of the island. Um, and it includes you stop and you do some snorkeling. Um, you, they give you a lunch, right? And then when you go inland, there is a, there's a volca- actual active volcano and hasn't erupted in, in, since the seventies, I think he said. Okay. Um, and they build it as the own, the world's only drive-in volcano. <laughs> so when you get there, people, you can drive your car up and you can take the road and you can drive right into the volcano. <laughs> like, but so we didn't do that though. We just drove to the edge and then walked in and they have a hot springs. Okay. That that's, comes from the volcano. Yeah. And the water is black. Oh, wow. It's just because it's filled with volcanic. Sure. Elements. Right? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So you sit in that for a while and it's like, it's already 30 degrees Celsius. And now yeah. I'm sitting in a, in, <laughs> a bath. In this, it's even hotter. <laughs> yeah. So you do that. And then they got this volcanic mud and you're supposed to smear it on yourself and they take pictures and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then, then then you go to, there's a waterfall, not too far, a mountain waterfall, which is just gorgeous coming up because the, the highest peak in the middle of the island is actually always raining. It's a rainforest. Right. And there's this massive waterfall. And, and this is St. Lucia, right? St. Lucia. Yeah, okay. And then you, you go in there and same kind of deal. It's very touristy, right? So you go in and then they get the family together underneath the waterfall and they take your picture and all that. And... <laughs> Go have a lunch, and there's, they point out all kinds of stuff. We went to this one area where they filmed um, the original Doctor Doolittle. Oh yeah, um, and wow. This other one where they they filmed a scene from the original, well, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie mm-hmm. there as well. And then um, the one bay, Marigot Bay, that's where a ton of the celebrities are. Right. Um, and there's like Sophia Loren's got her, her places up there, right beside Mick Jagger's. Oh and my they're, gosh. they're pointing out all this, you know, Oprah's got a place there. <laughs> and then this other place where the snorkeling was Sugar Beach. Um, and it's just gorgeous. And the first thing the guy says, he says, now a few years ago, Matt Damon uh, renewed his vows here and they rented the entire place for 72 hours. Like just kicked everybody out out yeah. of the whole bay, out of the whole Holy thing. God. Right. And it cost them um, $2 million for 70, <laughs> 72 hours. <laughs> and so like they're, they're name dropping all these. Of course. Right? That's yeah, what yeah. they do in these tours. And, yeah. But it's, um, it was, it was gorgeous. It was, um, absolutely beautiful. I'd never been to a vol- volcanic island before no. for a vacation. So it was neat. I'm yeah. surprised that wasn't. Sorry, uh, did I ramble too much? No, no. I'm That's surprised that wasn't it. the moment though, that the thing went off and ruined your whole vacation. <laughs> <laughs> like the, uh, the Simpsons at Itchy and Scratchy Land, yeah. you find yourself. Fighting yeah. dystopian robots or, yes. or whatever. <laughs> so we did snorkeling there. Yeah. And, uh, I can't scuba. I, I I had tubes put in, put in my ears in the early days of Chio in the 70s. Oh, wow. Okay. I was like three or four years old. Yeah. And my ears have been messed up ever since. Right. So uh, my ears don't pop. Oh. So it's very painful on uh, landings and takeoff. I bet. Planes. On a flight, so yeah. I just chew gum and <laughs> just trying to. So that's why I can't scuba. I wish I could, but right. I snorkel. Okay. Uh, I remember one of the times like down there in, in the Bahamas, we don't stay in this area, but we're not far from Atlantis in the Bahamas, which is where all the rich people go, right? And there's these 
unbelievable hotels for a while. Like Michael Jackson owned uh, the suite at the top of this hotel over <laughs> yeah. there and whatever else. But we would go over for one day of the trip. Like you can go over and, and do some of the activities and stuff, even though you can't really afford to be there. Yeah, oh yeah. And um, I remember we're standing in line and uh, there's a woman who's with us. They're a friend of my parents and she goes up and we're all in line behind her to get food and beer and whatever else. She goes up with a slice of pizza and uh, just a beer. The guy goes, that'll be 27 bucks. And she kind of <laughs> looks back over her shoulder. And she goes, no, it's just that like, she thought he was assuming she was buying for all of us. And he's like, no, that's your slice that- of pizza and beer. She's like, oh my God. <laughs> right. So my dad you, and I used to like to go and just sit and watch like the huge multi-million dollar yachts pull in. That's where oh. they would always, and just, just dream, right. Or <laughs> just, um, we used to boat you know, had a cabin cruiser on the Trent Sever, nothing like these boats mm-hmm. or whatever. But so we thought that was fun. And my mom and my sisters would go and, uh, you know, make my dad cry a little with his visa in like the Gucci shop oh, or lovely. looking for purses or things like that. But that's all we could do. We were the commoners that were walking into where the rich people live, but it was fun to see them for a day, right? Like well, almost like a zoo where you watch how the other people live. My and, wife and I would get up early and we would like to go for a big long walk as much as we can. And it's like, it's all hills, right? Yeah. And mountains. So we'd, we'd walk. We're almost at the northern tip of the island, but if when you walk even more north mm-hmm. and it just kept going up, it's funny how it just got richer and richer <laughs> and ri- with more gates and more dogs barking at yeah. gates, right? And you wonder if you even looked, would there be a gun pointing at you right. at some point? You're wondering, like, all right, okay, so we'll just go and have a look around here. And it's just, it's a different planet. 100%. These places. Yeah. Like, well, I tried to walk up to... Cabot St. Lucia, and it's a Cabot Links, Cabot Cliffs. Oh, yeah. It's the same guys. Yeah. And they've made Cabot St. Lucia. Oh, wow. Of course. And yeah. it's right on the edge. I've seen pictures. It looks beautiful. I tried three times to walk there, but on the Google Maps, and you're asking people, the road just stops. So I had, I had no, no idea. I just wanted to look at it. And I tried it's because the people times. who get to golf there come in on exactly. a shopper. <laughs> and it's all gates, and it's just wild. Yeah. I wouldn't have been, it's, I wouldn't have been able to golf if I, if I wanted to even. Right. But I just wanted to have a peek. Yeah. Couldn't do it. No. Couldn't get past gates. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Um, you know, let's, there's a few different things I want to talk to you about here, but I want to start with the sense. And I know you've been away for a bit, so you haven't seen much. And I think that actually might make you the best person to ask about this because okay. you helped us close out uh, the pre-Christmas period. You were the last guy in, in studio here before we wrap things up. And at that point, you know, we were a week or so maybe into the Jacques Martin era. Mm-hmm. And now we're a couple weeks in. And the performance hasn't really gotten any better, certainly not in the results column. They just had another bad loss on, on Saturday to the Oilers when Zach, you managed to keep Dreisaitl and, and McDavid from scoring on you, but that's the night Hyman decides to go off for a hat trick. Uh, the Oilers are a bit dangerous. So this hasn't been a good Western road trip, but I'm curious when you come back and you watch a game like that after being away for a couple of weeks, it's sort of like when you haven't seen one of your nieces or nephews for a couple of years, like their parents haven't noticed that they've grown, but you notice that like they're way taller or things like I'm curious results aside, did you see anything when you were watching the Sens on Saturday that, that was different to you where you could see what Martin was trying to implement? Yes. Yeah. I, I can see them a little bit better, but man, that this is small margins. Like this isn't, it's because at times it would just be train wreck start to finish yeah. during games or for entire periods and you've, you've lost the game. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the only full game I've seen since the Pittsburgh game on the 23rd was the game against the Oilers. Right. I saw a bit of another game, uh, streamed it a little bit down there because they went out west, right? And we're in yeah. Atlantic time. So right. it's 11 o'clock start <laughs> when they played Vancouver, for yeah. example. I didn't see any of that game, no. right? Um, I saw the second period of the Seattle game on my layover at Pearson, if we're waiting to 
in the delayed flight, and that was fun. <laughs> so I saw that. So my only full game was the Oiler game. Yeah, a, a little bit better, yeah. sure. Um, but, you know, you and I had this discussion, and I, I, I'm i not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm not the only uh, one seeing this. You were this. right, though. Um, Jacques Martin, when he went, I listened back when I was away. I went back and listened to it online. When he joined AJ, he joins AJ Jackie back on TSN 1200 still talk. every week. Yeah. He was doing that before he was even named senior advisor, continued, mm-hmm. and he's continuing to do it as a head coach. So nice of Jacques to do that. 100%. Ooh, that's not the same Jacques Martin <laughs> I interviewed when I covered the Sens full-time in his first go-around. Yeah. Blunt, yep. to the point, and bang on, like accurate, accurate. This is on the players now. No excuses. This is this is 100% on the players. Um because I think one of the questions AJ kind of asked him, he says, he couched it a bit, but as, as you should. It's a guest on your show, yep. right? Um, but Jacques got the question. He got the point. The point was, do you think that some players are pouting because they love DJ? Mm. Um, and the way Jacques answered it was, you know, respectful. But also it's like, well, what are we going to keep doing? Firing coaches? When When is it going to be? His his point was, when is it, when are you going to look in the At mirror? At some point, when is it on you? When right. are you going to look in the mirror here? Because... He's not blowing smoke. I I, I watch this team play. And the, t- the talent on this team is too good to be as bad as they are. Yeah. I'm not saying they're a great team. I'm not saying they're definitely a playoff team. Right. But they shouldn't be but last in the conference. they shouldn't be in bottom five. No. Like, it's just, it's, it, it's, some, it's not adding up. You know, it's, hockey teams are put together. It's not just about talent. You got to have the right pieces fit together and all that. Um, and that's something that Dave Poulin would always tell us when he joined us three times a week on TSN 1200. Mm-hmm. Now Dave's part of the, the yep. program now, uh, officially with the, with the senators and reports now are Steve Stales is really trying to add some veteran help in, in particular forward, yeah. some pros, some veteran guys. Play the game the right way. That, you know, use any cliche <laughs> you want. Um, they think that maybe they've realized that they're a little bit too young. And so maybe it's time to get a little bit older in some certain areas. You're not, not trading all your young guys. Used to be, though, right? So, like, yeah. yeah, you know, but it's just they 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 don't have uh, uh, their young guys have never enjoyed success. No. They, they don't no. know any different. Yeah. So we'll see. There, I, there's going to be a roster shakeup. Absolutely, there's going yeah. to be. Um, well, the other they, thing you will said they eventually strike at the core. Right. Maybe in the off season. The other yeah. thing you said when you were in here on the 22nd was that everyone was blaming the goaltending oh, and that the goaltending geez. hadn't been good enough, but yeah. that it wasn't the only issue. And now it seems while you were gone, a lot of people latched on to that and are now talking less about the goaltending and more about the structure. And more about that the up div- as well. Right. It's like it's – if you want to complain about goaltending as to why you're losing games, yeah, that, that happens sometimes. Sure. It does. But when you've been as bad as this team's been for seven years <laughs> – what are we doing here? <laughs> With like nine different goalies. Well, it's, yeah. it's 15 or 16 <laughs> that different guys have started. And I know you can go through each one and the, like, I didn't have much experience. Yeah. And this guy got hurt. And this guy's like, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah. Eventually it's like, I don't know. I'm just going to raise my hand here and say, maybe, right. maybe there's a deeper issue than just let's blame the goalies all the time. It's, it's possible. You know, would you like your goalie to make an extra save? Yeah, steal one for steal? you. Absolutely. And the Sens goalies have not done enough of that. Yeah. But even if they were... It, they, this team would not be good enough still. It would still be an underachieving team. Yeah. This isn't a, strictly a goaltending issue. It is so bleeping lazy to always blame the goalie, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, it's just... Yeah. Well, on um, Saturday night, we watched in the first couple minutes, I don't know what you thought, but, you know, right off the hop, in the first couple minutes of the first beat, the Oilers came at yes. Ottawa. And Forsberg, 
I thought like he kept it out, but he looked a little wobbly. But uh, to me, as the game went on, he settled in and there, Edmonton had a pile of odd man rushes that he shut the door on. He made some great yeah. saves to keep them in it. Uh, Ottawa did get their feet under them and get going a bit and they had chances of their own as well. But yeah, like Forsberg, that was a game that looked to me early on like this could be ugly and he managed to stabilize, right? And, yeah. and steady the he, he made some nice saves early, but I know what you're saying. There's a couple of like, yeah, that was nice, but it looked a little fortunate as right. well. And then he settled in, and yeah. he did what your goalie's supposed to do. Oilers have won six in a row. They're yeah. humming. They're at home. You need your goalie to be awesome early yeah. and, and and shut the door. And he was able to do that. But then if people don't want to blame the goalie, it's like, well, and you're right. The third goal wasn't great. No. The Hyman. Yeah. When, when it be between, be between arm and body, yeah. it's never good no. for a goalie, no. right? So you're thinking, oh, there's the bad goal. It's like, yeah. man, it would have been 4 nothing without him <laughs> earlier in the game. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. This team's not good enough. Right. It's not good enough. It's If you want to complain about the goaltending, the margin isn't the goalies are better, they're a playoff team. No. The team's not good enough. They're getting, they get outchanced and thundered so often yeah. and get hemmed in and make brutal mistakes defensively and, and hang their goalies out to dry. And then you get mad the goalie's not stealing games for you. Eventually, you got to stop that. Yeah. Do you think, you know, you said that there's a roster shakeup coming here. I think that's true. What is it that they might be willing to part with? Because obviously at this point, you know, this is another lost season now, so you don't want to trade any picks. Um, I think they're reasonably high on a lot of their young prospects still, and you don't really want to trade your, obviously your Stutzlas, your Kachucks, your, your Norrises. What, like what, what type of move would you to get like a middle six winger who plays the right way or center? What would you expect that they might be willing to part with? That's the thing. Like I, I think the immediate move, it's not going to be a big, sexy guy kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's just going to be good veteran guy. This year's Chris Tierney. Whatever. Like yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's just going to be a veteran guy that comes in, so it's not going to be a big asset uh, to give up. You're not going to be able to keep all these young guys eventually. Right. I think they will strike at the core at some point, hmm. but I don't think that's imminent. Right. So you're asking me what they're going to deal? Well, yeah. I can say the obvious stuff like Kubalik is sure. maybe a Brandstrom, right? I, I think you trade Tarasenko. You star left winger, Eric Brandstrom. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to, you got to, you're probably going to trade Tarasenko at yeah. some point here. But um, those are just deadline dumps, right? Yeah, like you're, you're not really you're, getting Yeah, much. you're, you're like, you're, you're going to be moving some guys out. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's going to be anything huge coming okay. soon. Okay. Uh, I've, I'm sure you saw the reports, uh, over the last couple of days and, and certainly Friedman brought it up again <laughs> on, uh on hockey night that it appears the Leafs and William Nylander are approaching mm-hmm. a deal at, uh, what earlier in the week was reported at 11.25. Now Friedman saying 11.5 over the summer, it was nine. Then it was like this thing creeps up seemingly by the week. Now Nylander got off to a crazy good start, but I think a lot of Leaf fans are uncomfortable with giving him what David Pasternak is getting. Uh, but they're locking into this again. They're doubling down on doing this again. I don't really know what the option is because you can't just let Willie walk. You're also trying to contend this year, so you don't want to trade him at the deadline. But it kind of looks like Brad True Living is going to get taken to the to the cleaners on this deal, just like Dubas did a couple times on on some of these guys the last time around. What's your take on the idea that the Leafs might be about to give him $11.5 million over eight years? Well, I think you're right that this... This is not um, Brad Treliving's fault. This has become the market, especially on that team. Nylander's looking around. It's like, well, Marner got this and yep. Matthews got this twice. Yep. Um, and so it goes back to the previous regime, maybe didn't handle Matthews and Marner very well. 
and how you got those the first big money contracts yep. done with those players. Um, so Nealander has been thinking, when's my turn? And, and he's entitled to his turn, and so he's he's going to cash making in three and a half, four million less than all those guys gonna, for all this time. He, he's going to be cashing in big time, and to his credit, I, he's played very well now the last couple of years. Yeah, um, he's he's. He's at that kind of superstar level. He is. He knows um, what a contract year is on the pace for 125 points and absolutely. 50 odd goals. <laughs> absolutely. So the other thing is Tavares has what, one year after this year? Yep. So he's not going to be making that kind of cake again. No. So next year is going to be interesting. Next how, year how is you, the tough one. How you make the pieces fit. Yeah. But then Tavares is not, you're, and you're going to have Matthews, Martyr, and Nylander as your top guys. Yeah. Up front making you know, an obscene amount of money, but all awesome players. Yep. So you're, you'll gladly pay players that are going to perform at the level that you expect. Next year is the interesting one because they still have Tavares as well. Yeah. It's it's hard because, you know, I've, I've been talking about this on Twitter and people are coming at me going, well, the cap's going up. And you're like, you've yeah, by four far million. overspent that. Willie's eaten up all of that and more. Then Matthews gets his 1.5. Yeah. Uh, like, do you want to keep Bertuzzi or Domi or any of these kind of depth guys? Like, at, at some point, you've eaten this up and... and you know, I just saw another cap projection that was like, well, in 25, 26, they'll be making 42% of the cap, whereas this year they're making 46. And you're like, but it hasn't worked, right? Like you, the depth, yeah. I don't know. I think you had to do this to keep the asset. Yes. And then you're going to have to make a decision. Can you have two wingers making $24 million yeah. between them? Like, I, that's tough. You're right. Tavares will go down. But next year is that year where like you're in your prime you can't afford to just go well this is going to be a tight year we'll take a step back you can't like you haven't won anything you haven't earned the ability to take a step back mm-hmm. and next year is going to be really hard at some point Matthew Nye is going to need an extension Joseph Wall is not going to keep playing for less than league minimum for all that much longer like t- uh, Timothy Liljegren needs a raise all of this before you get to that 25-26 season where you're you know the cap will have gone up another three, four million, and mm. Tavares comes off the books. I, I, they're kind of boxed in. They're kind of stuck. You had to do it, and I like Nylander, frankly. And this is a little silly to say because I know how valuable Marner is with the Selkie stuff and the penalty kills, this and that, and and he's normally you know puts up close to a hundred points. I like Willie better, so I'm happy they're keeping him. But I think what they've done here is by a little bit of time. And then you're going to have to make a call as to which one of those two guys you're keeping. Well, I, I think the the point you make made a lot of good points there. The most valid one is this came down to this is an excellent player. We got to keep him. Mm-hmm. We got to keep the asset. We got to pay what this guy's worth in the open market right now. Yeah. And this is what he is worth on the open market. Yeah. He'd, he'd be getting around that if he went somewhere else. So you pay him and you figure it out later. You protect the asset. You keep you keep the excellent player on your team, yeah. and then if you've got to get creative elsewhere in the roster, you cross that bridge when you get to it. And as you said earlier, some of this is set up by the previous regime, and like when you look at the fact that William Nylander is going to make what David Pasternak's making, I think Pasternak, while blowing through the Bergeron-Marchand number, still kind of took a little bit of a discount. Willie's not, because he frankly already did. And so those are not comparable players. David Pasternak is a better player. And so the fact that the Bruins are getting a bit of a deal and you're getting kind of the, the screws tightened on you just a little bit is not ideal, but you have to keep the guy. You just you, There was no other way around this. You're going to have to do it. And when he went out and started off the way he did, that number kept going up and up and up. And, and here we are. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this shakes loose. By all accounts, it, it sounds like early this week we're going to find out what the, what the deal is, what the number is. They're back home. 
Uh, it's an interesting schedule for the Leafs. Actually, they just finished that California road trip. They're back home for four games. And then by next Tuesday, they're taking the Western Canadian road trip. So it's not a lot, a lot of time back in the, uh, the Eastern time zone. I'll say this though about the Leafs. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with how the defense has been able to play in general. Yeah. Um, that's not a great blue line, especially nope. when we had their, their injuries. Yep. So you got to give credit to the coaching staff and the way that they play and the goaltending situation. Samson offs in the minors. Yeah. Martin Jones, like what a reclamation <laughs> that's been. Like, it's just, they've, they've made it work and I'll, I'll bring it back to so many Sens fans are sick of all the excuses over the years because you know what good teams do that are well put together, that have been well coached and all that stuff. They can deal with adversity. Find a way. Yeah. They, they can, it doesn't. Now that'll eventually catch up with you. Of you're going yeah. to have to get healthier and improve your team because the ultimate goal is to win the Stanley Cup. That's going to be really tough. Yeah. But over the course of an 82-game season, the Leafs are an example of what good teams do when they're injured, they're banged up, they're not as good in certain areas, they've got goaltending issues, they figure it out. Yeah. They, 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 they have something to fall back on. What is our identity? How do we play? The Leafs know who they are. Ottawa does not yet, the players. And now the management and the coaching staff rightly so, is putting it on the players. Figure it out. This is the way we're supposed to play. Right. And if you won't, we're making changes. Yeah. No, you're right about the Leafs, because early on, too, they they did struggle defensively, yeah. and then John Klingberg was getting blamed for most of it, and, yeah. and a lot of it was fair enough. But, you know, they, they had Giordano go down, and, and when Klingberg went down, you had all of a sudden William Lagasin in your top four, and Simon Benoit, who's suddenly... Simon Benoit. How yeah. many Leaf fans knew who Simon <laughs> Honestly, Benoit was? It, exactly. No. And so... At some point, yeah, they, they decided, okay, we're going to have to lock it down because early on they weren't. They were not defending well. And all of a sudden they, they decided to commit to it and the message started to sink in. And this isn't the first time. Keith was really hard on them. He was. Ooh. And it's it's not the first time that they've gotten off to kind of a mediocre start and then locked it in, figured it out, and, and got going. So, um, yeah, it, it's been interesting to watch. And I think what you hope for or what they were hoping for is that this group was good enough to get you to the deadline. And then hopefully you can add yes. like a four or five piece kind of thing on the blue line. Yeah. Um, and they have been Pay a little not- bit more for somebody you eat half. We yeah. get a better player back. Right. right. And, and so yeah. now like, hopefully that's still the plan, but now do you need to go find a goalie instead? Like we'll see what Joseph wall can do when he gets back. He's not hard. Like he's not an established clear number one, all kinds of experienced guy. And now he's coming off a high ankle sprain. That's not a guarantee, so we'll see. They only have so many assets, but uh, this group for sure has has kept them above water. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, I wanted to ask you quickly before we get to a couple things from uh, Sportsnet's presentation here of the NHL over the last week or so. I know you're not a big MMA guy, but I know you're a big golf guy, and this is why I bring it up, because we're starting to see Saudi Arabia get more and more entrenched in North American sports. They obviously have the live golf tour thing going on. Uh, I believe they just bought a small part of Ted Leonsis's group in Washington. Um, and at some point these guys just have enough money that they're going to force their way into these sports. Already are. And one of the more recent developments is that it's, it's kind of working its way into the boxing world. And I, I'm not a big boxing guy, but Francis Ngannou was a huge name in the UFC. Uh, left there because he he didn't feel like he was being respected, so he wanted to box. And he had his first big fight um, against Fury, and they did it in Saudi Arabia. And now he's having his second big fight, and this is against uh, Anthony Joshua. 
And this is going to be a huge fight. These are two heavyweights. But again, it's happening in Saudi Arabia. And there's, I just, I kind of, I get this dirty feeling when I'm watching what's happening over there. <coughs> They've gotten into F1. They're having two WWE events a year. Like, they're clearly trying to sports wash is the term, right? Like, get get North American sports fans, uh, entertainment fans involved and, and, you know, accepting this. And now to see another fight happening there on top of what they've done in golf and they've got the the merger i don't know if that ended up going through at the end of the year you'd have a better handle on that than me but like as a sports fan are we morally obligated to like be uncomfortable with this or is it just whatever these guys have the show so that's where i have to watch it do we expect better from the pga or from ted leonsis or whatever to go no i won't sell to you at some point they just come with enough money where you're stupid not to take it like what is your stance sort of on on this push from from Saudi Arabia to get into mainstream sports. I I think a lot of sports fans and I don't say this in a critical way because fan is short for fanatic and you are a big fan of whatever sport it is or entity for a reason. This yep. is you love it. Yep. You know? You're willing to look past almost anything. Like it's just you can say, "Oh, I can't believe it, you know, where where the the money's coming from the uh the investment fund in the Saudis and beheading journalists and like, yeah. this is just ridiculous." Like, "Oh, my my stars, I can't stand for it. But then you watch. <laughs> yeah. And you're still a fan. You're a golf guy. Do you watch Live? Oh no. I and it's not it's not because of that. Yeah. Like it's listen, I'm not I'm not a fan of, of that money funding things. I'm not. No. But the reason the the true reason I don't watch Live, it's not competitive. Right. It's like it's three rounds, the field's less than fifty. Yeah. There's no cuts. There's guaranteed cash for all these guys to show up. They got these 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 teams that they make and it's just so it's and, not a moral and, thing it's and, just it's a shit product it's it's, it's for now I'm, I'm a bit of a i guess a golf purist i'm like and th- now you, they've been complaining how they're not getting world golf ranking points it's like you play three rounds there's no cut <laughs> there's nothing on the line really yeah. everybody's getting paid yeah like it's 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 basically shell world of golf where guys got paid to go play and they put it on TV or the old skins games that they would have. It's like, to me, it's kind of like that for me. It's like, like I want to watch a golf and it's shotgun start. Yeah. So when I, when I get pulled in and I'm watching a golf tournament, it's mostly the majors, but sometimes you'll tune in and it's like, all right, a couple guys playing well, good battle down the stretch. They're a group apart. They know who's where even better through the same group. Yeah. You know, you know, the holes that are coming up, somebody's already played that hole. It's like, oh, he had tough on, and sure. You're watching a shotgun event with, like, come on. Yeah. There's no drama for me whatsoever. Who That's, was the guy who had just said, like, three rounds in shotgun, so, like, at, a year ago and said, like, it's crap, I'm not going, but then... John Rom. Like, yeah, John Rom, a huge name who eventually goes, yeah. yeah, I'm going, right? Like, at some point, these guys, look, I'd love to be critical of them, and I was early on, but at some, if, if people just keep offering you all this money, at some point, Somebody came you to break. you, Matt, uh-huh. that was unsavory. Yeah. Like, the Saudis came to Matt Robinson. Want to take on Talkin Audio? Hey, uh, you know what? We wanna we wanna make sure we, we Saudis. Want, we love beer. We, we want to get involved. What in your we show. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it'd be like uh, it's an ego thing. It's like you know what? We want to uh, say that we have the highest paid podcast yeah. in the world. Where how much does Joe Rogan make? Yeah. Matt, you got one dollar more. We're gonna get one more dollar more. Yeah, but it's got it's coming from us. Yeah. Are you in or you out? I'm in. You're in. I'm in. I'm You're going in. to crack. I make no bones about it. You'd love to have this great moral position. But at some point, you're setting your family up for generations or you're like, everybody's got a, the old million dollar man, Ted yep. DiBiase, everybody's got a price, right? And and it's true. And so 
early on when that live thing started, I was super critical and I still am critical of the league. But like at some point I've let the players off the hook. Like, what are you supposed to do? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I would do different than them. I, and, and to your point, it's, it's golf and they've already been in other sports. It's just not as public as, as aggressive in the golf world. Right. And it's not stopping. Um, and this is one point I want to share and I'm not going to steal it because it was uh, Eric Macromella hmm. who does offside weekly on TSN 1200. And he's been doing that show for a number of years and right. he does hits on the station a lot. And I've had this discussion with Eric many times since the Saudis got involved and created live. And he raised a very good point whenever he says it's not sports washing. He says, I know that that's a term that gets thrown out there a lot. And he explained, this is why it's not sports washing to for it to be sports washing. You'd have to think that they care what you think of them. Right. They do not give a sweet, you know what, <laughs> about what we think. Yeah. They don't. No. They have the money. They just want to do it and they're doing it. If it's true sports washing, there's an end game to it in terms of currying favor and making us look better politically and blah, blah. They don't give a shit about that. Right. And that's why it's not sports washing. It's just, <laughs> we're rich. Yeah. And we want to do this. Well, you know me, like, I'm a bit of a, a WWE guy still, right? And they've got two of those shows a year that come over there. And they, like, they've given um, WWE whatever the number is per year. That, like, half of WWE's budget now comes from these two events mm-hmm. that they're just paid. Come over here, give us two big shows, and bring the biggest names you can. And, like, it, half of it comes from, like, the royal family that was like, bring us Yokozuna. Like, Yokozuna died in 2002. <laughs> He's probably not coming. But, like... They you know somebody that looks like Yoko. Right. So, but like <laughs> weekend at Bernie's three yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck carrying that guy around. But like Shawn Michaels has been retired for 12 years. and He'd been like the only pro wrestler ever to say, I'm not coming back. I'm not doing it. And he never would. They pr- approached him with all kinds of big money offers yeah. for this and that. The Saudis come and go, yeah, would you do it for 15 million for one day's work? He's like, I guess I'll see you in, in, in Jeddah or whatever. Right? Your way. Like, <laughs> and that's just the way. And I, I'll be honest with you because it's just wrestling. It's just silly. It's what I don't watch those shows. They make me squeamish. They make me uncomfortable and I'm not a golf guy. So I've never been confronted with the moral decision on whether or not I'm going to watch that or not. But now like I like Francis Ngannou. I want to support that guy. I like the stand he took against the UFC and I'm going to have to go. I, I probably will watch that, Lloydie. Like, uh, this is well, probably that first time that it's been pushed in my face, and I have to go, all right, you win. Sports, like, here sports I am. Fra- sports fans have been looking past things for years. Yeah. This is just the latest version of that. Like, it's it's the Saudis and everything that comes along with that, the money involved and what have you. Yeah. And it can be unsavory. But, like, there's so many examples. Look at the NFL. What do we call the shield of the NFL? It's Teflon. Yeah. The NFL can get it. It doesn't really matter. No, right? you're right. Okay. Like I, I've got a lot of, like we all know Cowboys fans yeah. in our lives. Yes, we do. I got Cowboys fans. And remember Greg Hardy, UFC, you know, yeah, yeah. not a great human guy, human being, right? Some of the things that no. he did. There's been a Jared, bunch of those. Jared brought him in. Yeah. Cowboys fans are. Suddenly, give him a chance. Oh, he's reformed. Oh, yo, it's going to be okay. Everybody deserves And I'm just using chance. one example. Yeah, 100%. Lloyd, Pick a you're sport. Right. Yeah. Like some guy is. You know, beat up his wife or worse or what have you. Yep. Gets his like, well, you know what? If, you, if you're good. That's you why help, pencils have erasers. If you can help my team win and help me yes. feel good about some wins and you're still a good player. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's not It's not that bad. We You deserve a second chance. And then when it's not something that you're personally a fan of and invested in. Yeah. And there's a lot of that coming with people that aren't even golf fans. So oh, I can't believe it. Yep. That's just deplorable. It's like. That was me. It is. <laughs> 
and you're not wrong, yeah. but come on. Like, this is not unique in sports. No, you're right. Sports fans look past a lot of shit yes, and still we do. cheer and 100%. watch. 100%. Uh, I want to talk about a, a couple things that happened on uh, on on Sportsnet's presentation of the NHL this week, and we'll start back on Wednesday. And this was a debate between Jennifer Botterill and Jamal Mayers, and Sam Cosentino to a certain extent was on the the Jamal Mayers side of this. And to tee it up, um, look, I've had to chop both of the clips I'm going to use here a little bit because they were both just too long. Um, so in the show notes, I will link to them if you think I might be. Given things out of context, anything like you can watch the full clips. I link to both of them in the show notes at talkandaudio.com or on whatever app you're hearing us right now. But the context, of course, is that Brendan Dillon of the Winnipeg Jets cross-checks Kirill Kaprizov of the Minnesota Wild. He does it two or three times. You can tell kind of the first time he didn't get him as hard as he wanted. The second time he's trying to get between the pants and like the shoulder protector, like really hurt him. And he does hurt him. So the next day, these guys are playing a home and home. And it's Ryan Hartman who... Uh, off the face-off, kind of punches Cole Perfetti in the face with the butt end of his stick and like really hits him. And you really get the story coming from at the end of the game, Cole Perfetti saying, hey, I was mic'd up. And he said, you know, nothing personal against you, but that had to happen as a bounce back or as a, you know, for what happened to Kaprizov yesterday. Uh, Ryan Hartman is a guy who has been suspended three times and uh, and fined seven times. Uh, just for a little context. So this is a couple of clips of the debate that went on on Sportsnet on Wednesday night. And this went viral quite a bit. A lot of people siding with Jamal Mayers. A lot of people siding with Jen Botterill. We'll play just a little bit here and then I want to get Lloydie's take here. To me, Hartman is sending a message that you're not going to go after our star player. And it's not about fighting. You, you, some people would say then, then Hartman should go fight him, right? I think he sent the right message. I know the game has changed, and I know, but there's still an element of fear. There's still an element of uh, being aggressive and sending a message. The end result with Kaprizov is he's hurt, and he's your best guy, and that's really one of your best chances to do anything to get in the playoffs. So some sort of revenge, in my opinion, has to be exacted there. I didn't like the target as Perfetti. Young player in the league. You got Shifley there. You got Ehlers there. You have star players who've been around the league a little longer. Gabe Velarde. Um, I just didn't like that it was a, a younger guy who's had concussion issues in the past. So for me, the target, I thought, could have been a little bit different there. I, 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 I mean, just, you guys are talking about both of the terms you guys use, revenge and sending a message. I just, I don't know. You watch the play. You see Perfetti, a young, great player in your league. You think that's, that's what you want to present or succumb your young, talented players to? That it's okay if I'm this far from Carolyn to two-hander as hard as I can in a one-foot radius? I don't know. I don't think that's what's what's selling your game for your biggest stars, your skilled players. You're saying, okay, if you're a young player coming up, be ready because this could happen to you at any point. Yeah, just, it could. And at the end of the day, and you're okay with that. If it's your son out there playing and he t- he takes that two hand to the face, you know, you know what it was a good message to send. But he took would you feel the If it's your son who took then the cross check, then to the he's side. gonna ha- he's gonna understand that you have to then go do something and and make amends. Either oh, handle it so- yourself. This isn't oh. archaic. This- yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is <laughs> no, archaic. So, a lot to unpack there. But this is one of those classic debates that has the old school, old time, you know, uh, Chiefs hockey uh, versus, you know, this new version of the NHL and, and who gets paid back for what. I'm not sure. I know you were just rolling back into town as all this was happening. Had you seen the incident? I'd, I'd seen the incident and and I, I read up about or the, all the articles about Perfetti saying I was mic'd up and the, yeah. da, da, the suspension. So, but I, I had not heard that audio until right now. Okay. I had not. So 
I guess one of the things we should mention here in terms of context is that the NHL and the NHLPA have an agreement that anything that is picked up on microphone cannot be used in supplemental discipline. Um, so if I say to you, you know, if I elbow you in the head and I get away with it and then I turn around and say to you while you're mic'd up, I did that on purpose. The league can't use that against me because that was sort of the trade-off back when they started doing these mic'd up games is that, yes, we'll let you put microphones on the players. So, so sorry, Matt. Yeah. So basically the PA and the NHL, they're, they're Catholics now. It's confession. <laughs> what I say to you here, Father, in confession, yes. cannot be used against me. Exactly. Anyway. All right. And so I wonder a little bit about, you know, maybe just on that, like we might have all the evidence in the world that Ryan Hartman did say that and we just can't use it. Like there's a certain amount of ridiculousness to that alone, isn't there? Yeah, it's, yeah, to the argument itself here. Yeah. And I do have an opinion, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. But I obviously I do see both sides of this argument. I do. Yeah, Fodderell's not wrong. On the surface, it's archaic. It is. It, it, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, Perfetti's got nothing to do with. Cap- He's not even the guy who did it. He's not even the guy. <laughs> He's got nothing to do with it whatsoever. And but the one thing I, I will kind of disagree that was she threw out there in in part of this that my conversation. Yeah. In the like, if you're a player, this is how you want to sell the game. It's like, well, okay, macro. No, but that's not what that's about. That's about our team and our team building and the way we operate as a, as a unit and stick together. That's, you know, you can, you can argue how it happened, yeah. but they're not thinking about, well, we got to sell the game properly. It's like, no, uh, our best player just got gooned and yep. he's out. Yeah. Um, that's BS. We're playing these guys again. Here it comes. Something's coming. So, and I, I, I think it was Cosentino that said, I agree. I don't like the manner that Hart, like, if that's what you're going to do, to sucker a guy off a face-off like that, yeah. and a young guy like that as well. He's had I mean, concussion issues. That's, I, I, I don't agree with going about it in that way, but if you want to do it and send a message, then during the run of play, you finish a check extra hard on somebody, yeah. or or maybe you grab a player. How about Brendan Dillon, you, the guy who did it? Just, just grab a guy and, and, you know, start throwing. You know, like, face him, right? Yeah. Don't. Don't yeah. totally sucker, but to do that off a face-off and that, it, like, that's, Hartman deserved to be suspended. Yeah. And he, and he was. And, and he, well, and he, he was fined. Uh, he wasn't suspended. Well, fine, whatever. Yeah. Disciplined. Yes. Um, it's, that is still a part of the game and, and we, we continue to see it. And I think us as fans and media sometimes go talk to players that are in the game, in the trenches about what it's like to come together as a team and you can get into the Smith hit on Bedard yeah. and what happened there. Um, it's, it is. See, I felt differently about it, that it, one. It is, but that. So Brendan Smith, we should set the table. It's still he, part of the game. It is. It is. This but Connor is Bedard, a gentleman's the, sport. The new superstar <laughs> for the Blackhawks. He, he gets hit by Brendan Smith. I don't think it's an egregious hit. Bedard has to kind of stop and, and get the puck behind him almost. So he kind of has to turn his head. Yep. He gets lit up. It ends up breaking his jaw. And Nick Foligno fights Brendan Smith. and He didn't line up beside him and, and butt in him in the face. No, he did not. He lined up and fought him. Yes. And Brendan Smith, to his credit, like, he's going, look, this is a clean hit, but okay, I get it, right? This is your star, like, this is your, this is your meal ticket here for a while, and I get it. And they fight, and in theory, that's the end of it. And so, if Ryan Hartman, even if he doesn't want to fight Brendan Dillon... If he does the exact same thing that he did to Cole Perfetti to Brendan Dillon, 
I still don't like it, but at least I go, well, you know, at least it's the guy. At least it was the offender that you're all so pissed at. But yeah. But there's also a bit of a, a, a this, I've brought this up example many times over the years. The LA Kings and the Ottawa Senators had a couple of real Donnybrook games back in the early 2000s. There was like, it was weird. <laughs> like just hate each other, bench clearing, close to bench clearing. each other twice a year and, and it's always a... It was just, <laughs> and the one game in particular, I'm working the game and this is a sequence of events. Jason Allison was an excellent player at that time. Yep. Number one center with the LA Kings. Real speedster in the shootout. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Need an egg timer. That was poor Jason when he was the Leafs. I yeah. think I was in San Jose. That shootout or that penalty shot, whatever remember, it was. But... Anyways, uh, look at you did. Y'all. I lost my train of thought. Jason Allison. Okay. Um, Shane Knighty hits Jason Allison across the blue line. It's not a dirty hit. It's a, it's a big hit. And Allison doesn't like it. And some of the other kings don't like it. And Allison starts a fight with Knighty. He's so mad. Yeah. He starts the fight. Knighty could fight. Mm-hmm. People remember Shane Knighty. Yep. He, could, he could throw oh, it. Yeah. Allison, not so much. Not right. his thing. Not a fighter. He gets dummied. Yeah. He loses the fight badly. This game's in Ottawa. It's like like bad. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's just like this guy just got tuned. Yeah. Not good. So I go, all right, but he, he started it. So then the next, I think it was in the first period. Anyway, an intermission has happened. Play starts up again. Adam Deadmarsh comes over the boards for one shift, goes right at Wade Redden. Mm. Just goes right at him. Yeah. Grabs him, boom, 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 <laughs> and wins that fight. Yeah. And Redden's like, gets up, what are you? He's what got his arms. What the hell? Who do I do? What the hell's going on here, man? <laughs> and as they both go to the box, Deadmarsh, you know, uh, points at 90 across mm. the bench, and then he points at Redden. Right. And he's like, ah. That's why. That was for you. That's why. <laughs> that guy beat the crap out of our number one center. And so you're their number one D. Yeah. So I beat the crap out of you. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't. I guess. I I just, I, I look at that one and go, you, you had to grab the rookie, eh? Like, it, and he's well, not that's a big kid either. Like, it, I'll disagree. And it's it's not, and you can, we're splitting hairs. Yeah, about, a little bit. About violence. Yes. But to me, I'm a little old school that way. If you're going to do, if you're going to play it that way, it's like bit of an eye for an eye. It's going to bring our team together. We've just lost our best player. We're going to do something about this. Fine. Here's Mark Shifley. To, but, but, or, yeah, or, okay, it's twofold. Nick Ehlers. Go after a veteran guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and secondly, don't line up and sucker the guy no, with a butt end no. of the face. Right. Spin him around and say, let's go. Right. Like, it's just. So the argument was a little longer than that. Like I said, we'll link to it if you want to check yeah. out the full thing, if you haven't seen it for yourself. There was another one on Saturday night, and this is Kevin Bieksa, and this is a slightly different discussion. I don't have to tee it up as much, but uh, I've shortened it a little as well. But again, the full thing will be here. But uh, uh, Kevin Bieksa explains most of this one himself in the clip. Uh, he's talking about Nick Cousins of the Florida Panthers and an incident with Jason Zucker of the Arizona Coyotes. Let's get to the Nick okay. Cousins and Jason Zucker's three so games. We, Buckle we, up, everyone. No, <laughs> well, maybe. We could sit here right now and we could debate fighting in the NHL. Like, what's the place of fighting? We could debate Michigan goals. Yeah. Do you like them? Do you hate them? But the fact of the matter is people come to games and watch on TV in the hopes of seeing a Michigan goal, in the hopes of seeing a fight. They like it. 
Now, what people don't want to watch and see is kneeing, uh, hitting a guy's head into the boards, uh, ramming a guy from behind, and that is a common theme for a player in this league, and I've never done this before, but I have to do it because this is a trend with this player, and he's done this a a numerous amount of times, ramming a guy's head into the boards. You know, the the hit earlier on the year under Gabranson, this was Shifley last year. Like, there's no place in the game for this, and what's the common theme on all these? Him at the bottom of the pile in a turtle position. Not like Brendan Smith standing up, taking your medicine. This has been a common theme for this player. And listen, I'm told he's a good guy. I'm told he's liked by his teammates. And he's actually a pretty good hockey player. Mm -hmm. But somebody in that organization or somebody that he respects has to sit down and say, enough of this. This doesn't help the Florida Panthers win. It doesn't make us a better team. Or the NHL has to come down and hammer this guy. My good friend Rafi Torres. Love the guy. They didn't like some of the hits he was making. They hammered him with a 25-game suspension. They hammered him with a 41-game suspension. Right? Somebody has to hammer this guy from the Department of Justice and put an end to these crappy hits because I hate them. And they remind me, like, that's that's a rat to me. I'm sorry. It is. I I think if Everything that he had just said in that clip stops just before that's a rat. I think this is far less newsworthy, but I think when you say on hockey night in Canada, this is a rat that's going to rattle some feathers. This is going to be a thing this week. This is going to be a story that we hear more and more about. Um, look, Nick Cousins, Obviously, as a, as a Leaf fan who watched Nick Cousins and Sam Bennett and whatever beat the shit out of the Leafs in the second round, didn't care for it. Uh, but what do you think of, of a guy like Kevin Pieksa using a platform like Hockey Night in Canada to go quite that strong at somebody? That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, um, you don't always get the strong opinions as you would expect, expect on on different platforms. I don't care if you're watching the NFL, the NHL, MLB, right? That that's why a guy like that's why a guy like Charles Barkley has been so successful. Yep. It's like he's got a great personality, you know, and he he just he calls it as he as he sees it. And listen, I know you can go back, say what you want about Don Cherry. Yep, that's what this reminded me and, of. But that he he was very very popular yep. because he gave strong opinions and didn't apologize yep. for them. Now. Even if you didn't like Don, you watched to see what he was going to say. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, and Kevin Bieksa gave a very strong opinion yeah. and he's not going to sit there and go on the fence like, well, you know, uh, we got to, it's like, no. And you could tell he was a little hesitant. He says, I've never done this before yep. because he buried him. He absolutely buried him. He really cousins, did. Right. And, and this is a, a, a recent former player yep. that played a tough game. Um, that you should respect what Kevin Bieksa has to say about about the state of the game. He he's still close enough connected to it, um, but you're right. It's the term at the very end <laughs> that kind of that's a rat when you and you know it's his choice to say it. Yep. Um, just to drive his point home, but that that kind of put a little bit of a cherry on top of uh, of the bomb. Yeah. Instead of it being an observation, and here's a comparison to Rafi Torres and everything, where you kind of go. Yeah, he's being pretty hard on this guy. That last, yeah. that last statement is going to be remembered, right? Like yeah. that's absolutely. So, and and uh, I agree with everything you said, by the way. Yeah, I do too. And and R- Rafi Torres, and the, he said that's a buddy of mine. But yeah. he's admitted he said that had to happen. It was yeah. getting ridiculous with Rafi Torres. It really was what, what he was doing. So the league had to. Is Nick Cousins like what? That last sequence, to me, that wasn't as bad as what he did to Goodbranson. No, and and that's it. He did Goodbranson. There was one last year. I think it was to Shifley, yeah. who we mentioned in the last 
you know, uh, section there. Like, Gabranson could have broken his neck. Yeah. Like, like there's a reputation here. And Goodbranson stood up, and when he realized the refs weren't going to do anything about it, he took care of that one himself, too, yeah. right? Which was, again, I had no issue with that. This guy just, like you said, could have broken my neck in that moment. Uh, look, I, I, I liked when he first came in. I kind of liked Kevin Bieksa, and then I sort of, I wouldn't say I stopped liking him or disliked him, but I guess it, it stopped being novel, right? Or it stopped, like, you just kind of, the more time you spend with anybody, the more time you find to disagree with them. But he, him taking that stand did remind me of the glory days, if you want to call them that, of, of Coach's Corner. And I know not everybody towards the end still liked Don, and, and it was time for him to go. He was sort of becoming the old man yelling at the clouds and, and this and that. But this, this felt like a guy knowing exactly the platform he had. It's a Saturday night. It's mm-hmm. a Toronto game. It's hockey night in Canada. This is a huge audience, and I'm going to make a statement here, and you know, voice sort of my opinion. And I don't know whether the league responds to anything like that and starts to to notice more or, you know, pay any more attention, but he definitely just put this guy on everybody's map who maybe is a slightly more casual fan who really only watches on Saturday or whatever. He just centered this guy out and, and we'll see if, if that does anything on its own to Nick Cousins to change his approach at all. I, I'm skeptical of that. But. Well, it, yeah, but we get, get back to the, this is broadcasting. You're, you're trying to get people to tune in during yeah. an intermission and have lively discussion. Well, yeah. they certainly accomplished that twice. They did. And so uh, that's what I, why I wanted to play and then, these. And then yeah. Then was, hockey, yeah. do you like that? Like we've, we've, there's a lot of people and I I've been one of I don't want it to be forced. Yeah. It's all, you can, you can always There's a lot of people that have been dissatisfied his, yeah. with the recent hockey coverage of Canada. It's kind of bland. It's kind of what, a, well, here's back to back incidents with real, as you yeah. said, real emotion, real feelings. Like these are things that have really happened. It's not forced. It's not trying to overblow some minor story. These are two people in, well, multiple people in, in Botterill versus Cosentino and Jamal Mares and then, uh, Kevin PX on Saturday. Do you want to see a more combative side of it, of a more controversial side of it like this, or do you prefer a more just kind of general, calmed, analytic broadcast? I want I want strong opinions, yeah. and and the more strong opinions you have, you will have discourse, natural discourse, because we can always sniff out when it looks forced. Hundred percent. Like like I I do this for a living. I, yeah. I do talk radio, um, and I you know sometimes you'll 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 see you'll see the other side of it and say all right, I don't believe this. But I, this is what the other side yes. of this would Here's be. Here's the case. Here's okay, the Okay, blah, blah, blah. But you don't get, but the only times I've ever really get like heated on that, and it happens sometimes, and it's a good thing, mm-hmm. is like when I legitimately are disagreeing with whomever I'm speaking to. Yeah. And you got to keep it respectful. And I think, you know, the first clip, they did that for the most part. Yes, like, they did. They, it was, uh, you know. Although Bottrell, at the end, Jen Bottle kind of laughing on you guys. Well, <laughs> she, she totally disagreed she with She was them, passionate. But it, but it was, it, it, that's good. Yeah. You know, that's 100%. fine. Like, Back in the day, with you know when when Don Cherry was in his hey, heyday, mm-hmm. they they would have that, and then they would also have I think they what they called it the satellite hot stove yes. eventually, yep. but it was a hot stove. And way back when, um, when they had Al Strachan and John Davidson, yep. would, oh, they, oh, they'd go they just at did it. not like each no, other. No, they'd go at it for and, sure. And it was just like you know you tuned in. Yes, it's like all right, <laughs> what are they going to disagree about right now? I um, love that segment. But oh, that was awesome. Here's the thing, and I'm not a big fan of of like the, how much time we got here. We can go on. <laughs> but that's what basically American sports talk has become. Yeah. It's Mad Dog screaming at you. Yes. It's Stephen A. Smith screaming yes. at you. It's Skip Bayless screaming and at you. I don't you, enjoy throwing any out, of it. Throwing out Atlantis stuff and people disagreeing and just let's just yell over each but other. It gets clicks. It and, gets retweets. And it's, it's it gets, just, yeah. to me, it's bad. I, 
Hey, it does well for a reason. Yep. So yeah. I'm not saying I'm in the in the majority on this one. To me, I can only watch that or hear that for some. I'm like, it's just it just sounds so. All right, what's what's the travesty today? Yeah, that somebody's going to go over the top with an opinion on one side of it, and the other person's going to go over the top on the other side of it. And really, when you think rationally about it, it doesn't make that much sense to be that passionate about it. Yeah, but that's the way. The American model has totally evolved. We don't see it as much in Canada. So do you um, think these were conscious decisions to push it? Or do you think these were organic? No, I yeah. I, I think both of those were, were organic. Yeah. I think Kevin Bieksa had enough and it just pissed him off to see Nick Cousins do that to somebody else. What do you think happens if it's Jen Botterill who gave the monologue that Kevin Bieksa did? The Is same. she taking a rougher ride? Yeah, that's a good question. There's right? an ugly corner of the internet that if well, a woman says it, it's, you're right. oh, you're soft, oh, you're... Well, uh, geez, that's she show. doesn't get to call him a rat. I don't think. Like, like, uh. yeah, yeah, you're right. If 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 Jim Bottrell said the same thing and called Cousins a rat, yeah, it wouldn't be the majority, but it would be, let's oh, say, the be, vocal, yep. the vocal majority yes. on social yes. media, which is always the case. Whereas Bieksa, he's got, he's as you said, he played a tough game. He's, you know, what. I, I don't know that everybody's going to agree with him, but I think he's going to get a pass more than she would have. Most right? people that text, email, call sports talk radio shows and, and really have something to say. And it's it's not positive. No. It's no. just not. I'm mad and here's the, the, my take. Like, and, and that's why we're always wary about don't get wrapped up in the feedback you're getting directly. And we want the feedback. 100%. But that's not always indicative. Most people just listen yeah. and watch yep. and take it in. And the number they gave us, Lloydie, when I was in, in, and they in do radio not, school, they, they do said, not you, interact. you won't hear from more. I think they said the number was 8% yeah, it's of around your audience. 10. Yeah. yeah. You it, won't hear, only won't. 8% of your audience will ever contact you positively or negatively. And Most of, people just and of, sit and listen. And let's use the number eight. Of that 8%, I would say 6% will be negative. Yes. Yep. Because that's what, that's, we're, that's what people are wired that way. <laughs> we complain more than, it's not like, and I do get these that are very nice. Hey, Steve, listening for a long time. Really liked your tape. Really liked, you know, keep it up. Great job. Yeah, no. Blah. You suck, Lloydy. I get one of those <laughs> to eight of the other. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Your like, opinion on this was like, brutal. Like, like, oh, I can't believe you're still working. Blah. Like, <laughs> you know, that, you know, it's just whatever, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's about it for this one. All right. I want to let the good listener know that uh, we will be touching base again this week with our buddy Lever Sage over in Italy. Oh. He's doing some exploring. Yes, he is. Some family history. He's finding himself. He's he's checking out some Italian beers. Uh, we're going to touch base with him later in the week. And uh, we're going to have, uh, for the first time, Brendan Mackey from uh, Oseg, who uh, is at this point, I guess, Hoffley's right-hand man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Hoffley normally delegates a lot of his responsibilities over to, to Mackey so that he can come in here and drink beer on the show. So we're going to flip the script this week. We're going nice. to uh, we're gonna let Mackey come in here and uh, and he'll do some of that. So we'll catch up with him and, and talk for the first time. We'll probably rip on Hoffley a little as well. I That's, can't believe Mackey still has a job the way he rips on Hoffley for the shoulder. <laughs> and he just won't let that go. Well, Hoff <laughs> tweeted out this week. He's like, give that show a listen and then send your uh, job recommendations to Mackey. So... Uh, that's what's coming up this week on the podcast. Should be a lot of fun. Lloydie, I know we tagged in at the last second. I really appreciate you coming, man. Thank you. No problem at all. We'll wrap this one up here for Steve Lloyd. My name's Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you later this week. The hell is that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?